You're listening to True Story, a night of true tales told to friends. If you're interested in hosting a True Story party of your own, check out truestorytime.org slash join. This story was recorded live at a True Story party in the San Francisco Bay Area, where the theme was in or out. My life breaks up into a lot of chapters, and what's funny for me is I'm the only person who's been around for each of those chapters, and so people come to know me for one chapter and then lose track of me for the next, and they don't know where I was before. This story is called How Rock and Roll Almost Killed Me. <laughs> so I, uh, I got in my car. It was a blue Ford Taurus, and I was living in Los Angeles, and I packed it full of everything I owned, and I headed out one day driving eastbound on my way to Tennessee, where I decided I was going to live. My first night in Tennessee was planned in such a way that it coincided with the first night of a music festival called Bonnaroo. And I had decided that there wasn't a better way to celebrate moving to Tennessee than to start at Bonnaroo and hear for the very first time my favorite band, Radiohead. So I had, I had all of my belongings in my car and I set up a tent right next to it and I went out into a big field and heard Tom York sing Rain Down as the clouds opened up and rain started pouring down on 40,000 people. Tom York referred to as one of his top favorite three performances ever. And I was there, and it started a new chapter in my life. Previous to that, I was a classical composer. I had studied music theory and music composition, and I decided that I didn't want my music to be little black dots on a piece of white paper. I wanted my music to be a recording, and I wanted my music to be a performance. And in Nashville, I found what I was looking for. The music that I had decided I was going to give to this world was not intended for people of your age as much as it was intended for little kids. Um, I decided I was going to be the person that introduced the world to kids' music like nobody had ever heard before. In order to achieve that end, I recruited a number of my favorite musicians from around town, and I said, I'm working on this crazy project. We're singing through the perspective of fictitious or fictional potatoes. <laughs> would you like to come write songs with me? <laughs> and they did. Um, but the gig was that I had then had to play music with them. So in the mornings at 8 o'clock, I would head to a preschool, and I was Mr. Adam. Preschool was newborn through five years old, and so they would put me in a room with <laughs> brand-new people, and they... <laughs> They'd set them up in a little semicircle, and these little babies would be sitting in these like little donut chairs, and they would, they would sit around me, and I would sing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star for them, and I would place their hand on my guitar strings and strum alongside them, and I'd give them a shaker egg, and they tried to eat it. <laughs> and then at nighttime, I would put on short, 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 yellow shorts and I would take off my shirt and just wear bright rainbow suspenders and uh, I would perform in a band called Cheer Up Charlie Daniels and we played raucous 
rock and roll about, about sexually transmitted diseases and about, about yeast infections and about, you know, wh whatever was disgusting and weird and off-putting and politically incorrect is what we thought rock and roll was supposed to be, and so we'd, we'd sing about it. And so I lived this dual life. I think I felt like a traitor to both groups. And in the, in, in the morning, I would, like, stuffed animals coming out of my backpack. And I was driving in my Oldsmobile, and I'd have a cigarette in one hand. It was, like, 8 in the morning, and I'd take a puff, and I'd throw my cigarette out the window as I would head into preschool. <laughs> you know? And then at nighttime, when it was time for rock and roll, I would... I was wild and crazy, but not as wild and crazy as um, my closest friend, Neil, was. And Neil was the front man of our band. And one night we were playing at a bar, and we performed one song in this club, and it went off great. I kicked off the second song. This was a song we called Yeast Infection Affection. <laughs> and as the band joined in, I looked over and I saw my, my good friend, Neil on his back, writhing. I was like, there goes crazy man Neil writhing on the floor. <laughs> this was an exciting night because we, we liked to pull stunts. Pull stunt at every show we could. One night he, would, he took an old guitar of mine and he took it out of the case mid-show and smashed it on stage as though we were the who. Tonight, the stunt was that he had underneath his pants, he was wearing a red thong. And stuffed into that thong was a Confederate flag. <laughs> and what he had planned in the middle of our show was to strip off his pants and remove from his red thong a Confederate flag. And, um, and so I look over and I see crazy man Neil writhing on the floor and then my heart sinks and I realize that he's not like rocking and rolling on the floor like something is wrong. Our guitar player runs over and like pats him on the back and then like flies off. And I, it occurs to me that he's getting electrocuted. And we're in a club in front of like 250 people. And so I just like jump at the whole situation and in my like drop kick of a maneuver, um, I kick the mic out of his hands. You couldn't touch him, and you couldn't touch the mic, you couldn't grab the mic because electricity was flowing throughout the entire setup. And he like writhed and writhed and then collapsed. And so I leaned over to him, and for a second I thought maybe he was dead, you know. He picked up his head and he said, Adam, I just shit my pants. <laughs> Now, mind you, in his pants was a red thong with a Confederate flag. <laughs> so this is one of the risks that you take when you play old vintage gear, the electrocution risk. And so we label that amp the devil's amp, and we put it in a closet, and we never use it again. <laughs> About four months later, um, we had parties a lot. My house was in kind of a shady part of town, and so it got labeled by all of our friends. It got labeled the meth lab. Um, but I was in a kid's music project, and so... I renamed it the math lab. 
So as a, as a compromise, when we had parties, it was just live at the lab. And uh, friends would come over, uh, musician friends would come on over, and there was general revelry. And Neil came up to me and said, look around, like it's all of our favorite musicians. Like they're all hanging out at our, our house. Let's go into the basement. Let's jam. So we packed in 35 people into our small basement packed with as many instruments as we could find. My friends loved the fact that like I was also this kid's musician and truthfully I wrote for them as much as I wrote for anybody. And so someone asked me if I would perform a song. And so they stuck the microphone in front of me and they they hung a guitar around my neck and uh, I started performing a song as the first word came out of my mouth. I watched as the microphone leapt off the stand and attached itself to my chest. And my hands, like magnets, attached themselves to the guitar strings. And I realized that the devil's amp had been brought out. And I was frying. You know, they described, feels like time slows down and you watch your life flash before your eyes. And I was floating above the room, watching everybody as they were watching me. And then everything went black, and I saw this bright pink neon cat. <laughs> I don't know what it meant. My fingers were frying against the guitar strings. I had become the ground for an electrical circuit. No one could touch me. I couldn't do anything. I was paralyzed, and... I was aware that if I could comprehend how much pain I was in, that would really hurt. But it was just too much for me to understand. Uh, and so I fell to the ground. And in a very smart move, my friend Travis grabbed the plug from the back of the amp and he pulled it out. And that was the right call because it killed the electrical circuit. And I wondered for a second, Adam, are you in or are you out? And I knew that everyone in the room was asking the same question. And I think more scary than dying would have been the thought of all of my friends watching me die. You know? And someone leaned over and I didn't say that I had shit my pants because I hadn't. <laughs> I said, I, I think I'm okay. I'm going to need a moment. And our band stopped performing for a little while. Like this was trauma enough. Neil and I both almost dying in public playing rock and roll music. But we got, back, we got back together and we got our act together and we started performing again and we performed in this Uber competition in Nashville with all these like cool bands. And we worked really hard for the show and it was our first time playing at this venue since Neil had shit his pants in front of 200 people. <laughs> so we were kind of like a hometown hero, you know? <laughs> And we performed, and by popular vote and by the judges, we were awarded top performers, and uh, we were invited to play at Bonnaroo. And so I said to my band, I said, there's something I have to do when I'm playing that stage, perform that song that I tried to get out the night of my electrocution. And we played it to a crowd at Bonnaroo as our last show. So it's funny because now I'm wearing a collared shirt. You know, I had it tucked in earlier today. <laughs> but it was only one chapter ago that I was almost killed by rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs>
You've been listening to True Story, a night of true tales told to friends. The music you're listening to, by Adam and the Couch Potatoes, is none other than the song that was mentioned in this week's story.